It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary three by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 867 of Locked On Raptors for late on a Monday night. I guess you're hearing this on Tuesday, January the 19th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can uh, check out all of the wonderful stuff we have going at the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got the NHL's channel going strong, covering the first week of the NHL season, including Locked On Leafs. The Leafs are 3-1, and one, baby. Go listen to Mike DiStefano as he breaks down your North Division leading Toronto Maple Leafs. Also, the Toronto Blue Jays are Maybe going to sign some people this week. That would be nice. George Springer, baby, let's go. Go listen to AJ Andrews on Lockdown Blue Jays for the full breakdown of everything they got going on after their summer of uh, being second place for a lot of other guys. But anyway, let's get to today's show covering your Toronto Raptors, who are decidedly not second place in their game on Monday night against the Dallas Mavericks. They finished in first place. Let's uh, let's put I'm just going to say they finished first place anytime they win a game. How about that? <laughs> uh, the Raptors beat the Dallas Mavericks 116-93, their third victory in a row. Uh, victory against the not Charlotte Hornets, which feels good. Uh, and they moved to 5 and 8 on the season. 116-93. Did I say the score already? I could say it again because it's a really really pretty score that the Raptors now finally have, uh, with that 23-point uh, victory, have now moved into having a positive point differential on the season. That's very nice. Anyway, let's get to it. On today's show, we're going to take a look at the game and dive into our biggest takeaways and look ahead to what's next for the Toronto Raptors. And joining me to do so is our pal, Vivek Jacob, Big V. How's it going, buddy? It's good. It's good. I'm uh, watching some pretty intense cricket right now between India and Australia, so I'll be slightly distracted. But it's nice to have a Raptors win in the bank against, as you said, not a Charlotte Hornets team. <laughs> but yeah, Look, that was man, fun, man. The, that was probably the, Mavericks... the most fun win of the season so far. I would say so for sure. Uh, the Kings game had its own charm, but it's also the Kings and the Kings have like a historically bad defense. So not really sure how much you take from that one. The Mavericks, look, 
I don't really have a high opinion of the Mavericks, truth be told. I think even with the players they're missing as a result of COVID, I think they're kind of a one-trick pony team, and I'm not terribly high on them. But that doesn't mean they're not pretty good, and that doesn't mean it's difficult, or that doesn't mean it's easy, sorry, to stop Luka Doncic. It's quite difficult, and the Raptors did a good job of that in this game, and they did a good job of uh, shutting down the Mavericks as a whole, I would argue, probably their best defensive game of the season so far this year. There's been a lot of ink spilled over the Raptors' faulty defense so far. Some good stuff over at Raptors Republic from our pal Louis Zatzman, for example, breaking down why the Raptors have been so porous on the defensive end so far this season. But um, I'm going to go with my biggest takeaway here first, Vivek, just because I always throw it to you first. I like it. I've already started in on it. But my biggest takeaway is, like, that is what the Raptors' defense is supposed to look like. And... It seems like it's kind of rounding into form with the rotation that Nick Nurse has achieved and sort of rounded out here. You know, there's still some things to do on the back end of the rotation. We could talk about that later on. But overall, Vivek, best defensive game this team has played all season long. Did you recognize the defensive team out there? Because it was quite nice to see our old pals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that stands out when you watch this game, the frustration that we felt over the course of the season so far is because there was so much low hanging fruit. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the mistakes that they were making before, they were such basic mistakes that you don't associate with the Raptors, the lack of defensive rotations and the, the careless turnovers. And uh, it, it was just a much cleaner performance in this game. And so if they can just hang on to that and just do some of the basics right more consistently and for more of the 48 minutes, then I think they get closer to that ceiling that we said before we watched them play basketball, which was, you know, maybe they're, they're battling for a home court in the East. Maybe, you know, they're definitely in the top six somewhere in that mm-hmm. conversation. And so, you know, I said at the beginning that this stretch was going to say a lot about this team, right? End of January, they play these tough teams. uh, And so if they can bring this consistency night in, night out, then you start to feel a lot better. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last seven games, obviously uh, they're only four and three of those games. They've lost, uh, they lost those games against Phoenix, Golden State, and Portland, most of which came in heartbreaking fashion at the buzzer. But on the whole, those last seven games, I think, have kind of recaptured the you know the real sort of sort of identity of the team. They haven't quite put it together on the defensive end, but the offense has come along. It's not looking completely lost. They're turning transition into scoring, which they weren't doing early on in the season, where they were getting enough transition opportunities, sure, but they were scoring, I believe, with the worst efficiency in the NBA. That's turned around largely because Norm Powell is alive again, which is very good to see. And I think if I have like a takeaway 2.0 from this game. It's after having watched it in conjunction with the games that have preceded it, I am very confident saying uh, we can wave goodbye to any notions of like a tank season. <laughs> They're too good for oh, that, yeah. man. It's just it's I always thought that the, that was the case anyway, even when they were two and eight, one and six, whatever it was. I never thought this was a team that was bad enough to go dive into the tank. I always thought things, things would turn around. But my God, it's very clear now. If you're still on the tank brigade, I think you are uh, fighting a losing battle because this is not going to be a team that misses the playoffs, let alone like falls out of the top six. They're literally a game back of the sixth place New York Knicks right now. I would uh, bank on them catching them and hanging on to one of those top six spots. 
spots pretty comfortably right now, even with the still glaring weaknesses at center and with some of the deeper depth guys. But I don't know. Are you with me? Are you like throwing out any notions that this could be like a non-playoff team after not just this win, but the, the previous games as well? No, I think even with the bad, I still saw them as a play-in tournament team. Right. And, you know, somewhere in that seven to 10 mix, probably closer to seven to eight than nine or 10. But I think this is a good team uh, in the East. I think there's, as you, as I said before, a lot of low hanging fruit that needs to come through. Like we finally saw at least some positive contributions from Aaron Baines and just little things like that helps Nick Nurse sort of piece the rotation together a bit better. And you know what you're getting out of Chris Boucher uh, on a night-to-night basis. You know what you're going to get from Kyle and Pascal. You know, obviously, that was a frustrating first half, but second half was a lot better. And how about OG? Uh, This was, was, you know, again, one of his uh, best performances of the season. Uh, The shot looked a lot more composed. It seemed like he was uh, intent on getting his feet set and rising up. in sort of a more composed manner. I feel like some of the shots he's taken this season have just been a bit too rushed and this seemed a lot more composed. So yeah, if these things just start to come together and as we've said, just, they just start to look like the players that we've recognized from the past, then there's no reason they shouldn't be competing for a playoff spot. I would also say it's become pretty clear the last couple of games that they're not just like, relying on four guys anymore and you've seen Chris Boucher go on an insane heater he's very clearly a guy you can count on it seems and Norm Powell has come back to life a little bit he's scoring he's finishing around the basket with the same sort of composure and comfort that he did for most of last season when he was excellent obviously and then Stanley Johnson coming around as like a pretty nice little defensive you know sort of three and D player one three a game and D player like, they now have a margin for error where you can have a bad game for Fred VanVleet where he goes 2 of 10, or you can have a bad game on Saturday where Pascal Siakam goes 4 of 14 and scores 9 points, but because you have other guys actually doing things as opposed to just relying on your main four guys, you are able to get by and in a lot of ways thrive, even with your sort of your your main guys having off nights as they're prone to do. It's the NBA. Not everybody's amazing every single night unless you're like Giannis or one of those very, you know, God tier type players. And it's nice. It's been very, very nice to see that they can have a bad game from somebody and it doesn't totally derail them. And in this one, you know, I thought Fred was mostly quite bad. You know, his defense was nice. We, we should give him some credit there. He had four steals, and I thought he was, uh, you know, a, a bit of a, a demon when it came to, like, digging down in, in the post and sort of haunting the dreams of Luka Doncic when he had the ball in his hands. <laughs> but for the most part, his offense was terrible, and it didn't matter because they had enough to uh, to survive on that end, which is a nice thing to see. And it's nice not needing the same four guys to be on their game 100% every single night in order to get wins. It's beautiful. Uh, we're going to talk about, in a second, a guy who remains not on his game, and that is Aaron Baines. We're going to get to the center conversation, which continues to uh, you know, progress, even though there's very little change going on there right now, it seems. We're going to dive into the future of the center spot with the current roster in just one sec. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at 
betonline.ag of course the best place for you to be putting your money down when you're betting on sports and there's a million things for you to put your money down on right now you got the nfl playoffs coming up this weekend if you want to bet in solidarity with jack armstrong and his feelings bet in favor of the buffalo bills to win for example right now when you go to betonline.ag use the promo code locked on you're gonna get a 50 percent welcome bonus which means if you put in 100 bucks you're gonna get 150 into your account to play with that's an awesome deal again tons of stuff to vote on bet on uh, you've got the, uh, the the NFL playoff games. You've got NBA games every night. The NHL is coming. The MLB futures are going to be out very soon as well, too, if they're not already there. Go check it out. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get out on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, Big V, just a heads up, coming up on tomorrow's show. On Wednesday, I'll be joined by David Ramil, who is the host of Locked on Heat. We're going to tee up the Raptors Heat back-to-back on Wednesday and Friday, so stay tuned for that. That should be a lot of fun. I love Dave. Anyway, Vivek, mm-hmm. let's talk about the center spot. Uh, Aaron Baines starts again tonight, uh, plays 11 minutes. Congrats to him. Starts both halves. Congrats to him again. Uh, you know, baby steps here. He goes <laughs> no points, one rebound, 0 of 1 from the field, uh, three personal fouls. Is, uh, is an even on the night. This Bane ceremonial starter thing, I get why Nick Nurse is doing it. He seems to like the the boost that Chris Boucher gives to the second units. It seems like they've found an actually pretty tangible transitional lineup at the end of first quarters with Fred and Pascal flanked by Stanley, Norm Powell, Chris Boucher. Obviously, that's a little bit more difficult to get to if you're starting Chris Boucher. But, I mean... At some point here, do you think Boucher is going to force the hand of Nick Nurse and just say, just put me in the starting lineup, dude? Because he's at, you know, he's going to be at 16 and 7 or a little bit north of that after tonight's performance. He's blocking shots left, right, and center. Tonight he was 21 and 10 with two assists, a steal, three blocks, 8 of 12 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3. He's been ridiculous. His last six games have been outstanding. He's been at worst the third best player on the team this year. Like, it's, he's been ridiculous. And, there's the sort of artificial suppression of minutes that goes on when a guy comes off the bench, even if he is playing, you know, 28 minutes a game, you know, north of 30 minutes a game, which Boucher has had, Boucher's had it's a little bit difficult to arrange the minutes in a, in, a, in a sort of convenient way when the guy's coming off the bench. You know, you require a guy to play like 18 straight minutes, the Patrick Patterson effect, for example, to close games if you really want him in there in crunch time after bringing him in in the third quarter. And obviously you're enduring five to six minutes of Aaron Baines at the start of these games as well. Do you see a change coming? Do you think a change should coming? Or do you think it might wait until the Raptors go out and get an outside big man to come and help and fill in that starter spot? 
I think things would have to actually get worse for Nick Nurse to go that way. If things keep improving, I think he will try to find a path where Baines is a consistent positive contributor or at least a net neutral contributor, and then he can have that Boucher punch off the bench. I think, I, I think, like you said, with the way the rotation is playing out with the units that he's found, it's taken some time to get there. And so to now force that change and have to figure things out again, I don't, I, I think that's the last thing he'll want to do. So uh, unless results force him to do something like that, I, I, I don't anticipate him doing that. The other thing too, with Boucher, I, I would just slightly caution against is through the season so far, he's had six games where he's picked up at least four fouls or more. Yeah. And giving him that starting role, you don't want to get yourself into a situation now where you're juggling foul trouble because, you know, that's something that Siakam hasn't completely escaped as well. So um, I, I think he's doing a great job as it is. And so, again, it's just about having a bit more of that low-hanging fruit. Uh, i said it a few times now, but if Baines can just continue to just work his way in because everyone else is playing well now. It might, it might take that pressure off and it might give you a bit more positives going forward. I think it makes it easier actually to keep Boucher on the bench. Yeah. I look, there's also like the dumb sort of sentimental reason you want to keep Boucher on the bench, which is like, if the season ended today, he'd win six man of the year. And I think that's cool as hell. <laughs> and you know, that's like a fun thing to strive for, to have a guy in that conversation all season long. Um, you know, again, I, I think the arguments for him starting are very much tied to just sort of how your rotation plays out over the course of 48 minutes. And you know, when you get your guys in, but I, I also do think the foul trouble thing is certainly something to note and if you're giving him a six minute head start on not picking up fouls I think that is probably a pretty good way to go about it and ultimately like you know people have listened to this podcast long enough if you've tuned in over the years I don't really give a shit who starts honestly like I would much rather have a good closing lineup figured out than a good starting lineup figured out and it's not like they're getting waxed in these minutes to start games with Bain starting the last couple like he's been not good he's not doing anything necessarily but he's not actively destroying you as he was early on in the season and if you can get those five minutes of ceremonial starter minutes or if you can just start small even and start with og at the five and put norman i think that's probably preferable again i I totally understand the argument for starting boucher as well i I don't think there's a wrong answer necessarily but i also like I, i think i we're getting close to there's going to be like a Patrick Patterson level mutiny if Boucher isn't starting. <laughs> Back to like when it was like, how is Patterson's not, not starting over Louis Scola? Like what the hell is going on? I still don't think I'm there. And I think I'm very okay with the patterns that are kind of developing here. And it's taken so long to get those second units to look good and to make them work that changing it now seems like you might be setting yourself up for more trouble because boy, those second units without Boucher and with Baines in there, could be some trouble. Right. <laughs> There's just no offense there, right? And I think in the interest of balance, you know, Boucher playing with all the starters, you're not getting the most out of Boucher because you have the ball in the hands of Pascal and Fred and Kyle, and you want OG to get his shots up. If you can sort of amp up Boucher's usage, I think he's at like a 21, 22% usage after tonight. You know, if you can amp it up playing with lineups where he is the go-to guy, I think that's maybe a better use for him. So I, uh, I, I hear the rumblings. I've seen the rumblings about the Boucher starting thing, 
but I think it's uh, there's reasonable explanations for why Nick Nurse might be hesitant to do so, and I think they're totally fine and valid. Um, any other thoughts on sort of rotation-related things here, Vivek, before we get into the final segment? I, where we should probably just talk about Kyle Lowry the entire time because we forget to talk about him all the time, uh, even though he is the reason this team is anywhere right now. Um, but, you know, we saw the rotation pared down a little bit more. No Yuta Watanabe until uh, crunch time. Or sorry, until garbage time in this <laughs> one, the opposite of crunch time. Um, we're seeing Stanley Johnson pretty much cement that spot. Any other stray observations about how the rotation's playing out right now? No, I mean, I, I would just say shout out to Stanley because I thought he did a great job tonight defensively. And I, I thought it was interesting when I asked him a few press conferences ago about, you know, trying to maybe find that balance of, doing exactly you know what's what people would sort of lay as the prototype of what what's expected of him with the defense but you know also trying to show he can do more and he's like i'm not trying to do more you know it's just as long as i keep doing what i'm doing for longer stretches i'm gonna keep playing and so i think that mindset is really helping him Mm -hmm. and yeah long may it continue the, the other thing i'll just quickly say is it's hilarious that chris boucher tried to uh, tied the franchise record for most consecutive games of 15 points or, or more off the bench uh, with, <laughs> with norman powell because that just speaks to norm's inconsistency that yep. he, he's had that role for a while and hasn't been able to string together more than six games i'm shocked that lou williams didn't get that record that's a good back point in his one cursed season Man, that dude loved to shoot. <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other rotation note I want to just throw in there is uh, Terrence Davis is bad, man. I, I know like there are other reasons to not want him on the team, which are uh, much more important, but he just kind of sucks the life out of it anytime he's on the floor. They were doing some very good things in that third quarter. The defense was playing as well as we've ever seen it this season, doing the whole force a million stops, turn it into a million transition opportunities. And yet every turn, Terrence Davis trying to screw it up with some defensive miscue or uh, insanely low lob pass right into the waiting hand of a defender who could see it coming from a mile away. Um, play Malachi Flynn in those minutes, uh, please, because he is better at basketball and like Malachi play decisions. Matt Thomas play Paul Watson like <laughs> yeah DeAndre Bembry like yeah sure Terrence Davis can hit a three once in a while he had a couple of nice you know finishes at the rim in this one but it just he never makes it worth it because he's giving it back in all the other places where he's just a very not good basketball player and I think it's just uh it's time to just get him off the team or just get him out of the rotation at the very least, because he's not cut out for it right now. He's just, I don't understand why Nick nurse has a short leash for all these other guys, but keeps going back to Terrence Davis, who makes the exact kind of mistakes that typically you would think make Nick nurse want to scream. So that's my thought on that. Play more Malachi Flynn. He seemed like he was kind of figuring things out in his uh, last couple games. Yes. The shooting's not there just yet, but the, um, you know, the, the playmaking, the speed with which he can get to the rim, all that stuff is still very good, and I would like to see him play more than Terrence Davis. Uh, we're going to continue on. I want to dive into Kyle Lowry and his wonderful performance, and I also want to talk about Pascal Siakam, who you mentioned a little bit, had a bit of a rough start to this one, nice finish, and I'm still very impressed by his playmaking. We'll get to that in just one second, but first I want to tell everybody about our friends over at rockauto.com. 
look, I've told you about them before. They are a godsend for someone like me who loves to get fleeced by mechanics who know that I don't know anything about cars when I go to get something fixed on my car. RockAuto.com saves me from paying extra prices because they're much cheaper and they're a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and most importantly, the prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Don't be a me, be someone who goes to rockauto.com. And right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on at their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek. Uh, Kyle Lowry, my goodness. Just uh, a masterful game from him tonight. He tends to do that against the Dallas Mavericks, as Mm -hmm. it turns out. 23 points, 9 boards, 7 assists, 9 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from downtown, and kind of whenever they needed something, was there to give it a uh, couple masterfully operated two for ones, uh, a wonderful finish to close out the third quarter with his final bucket of the night. He didn't even have to score in the fourth quarter because he set them up so well going into it. Um, it's worth noting as well. The Raptors now over the last five quarters in two minutes against the Mavericks have outscored them by uh, oh, 53 points. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> or something more absurd. I know they've won that game by like three, I guess, when they had the 30-point 30, 30 comeback. But either way, my math, it's close enough. They are, they're beating the piss out of that Mavericks, and it's largely in part uh, because of Kyle Lowry. Uh, I don't know. We, we always gloss over the great Kyle games because it's so standard at this point. But what did you think of his game tonight uh, as he continues a season where he has been basically the best player for the team every single night? Kyle is Kyle. I mean, I've just consistently believed that this, you know, with the, the whole age thing, I just believe he's taken so much care of his body and he's such a big believer in having those good habits to make sure he can continue his career for as long as possible. And this being a contract year, uh, it, this is everything I expected out of him and more. And I think the way, you know, he's kept this team in the right mindset and the right frame of mind where even where things were going south he was just like hey we've got to play a lot harder we've got to find that swag at, at no point is there any let up right and so even when there's conversations about tanking or whatever like this is a kyle lowry led team they're not going to let go of mm-hmm. anything so uh it's good to see them look like maybe they can turn this around and get their season looking right and get their season more reflective of, you know, their point differential and whatnot. And yeah, I think offensively, you know, 
he's just doing everything he can for this team, shooting the ball. Uh, and I feel like defensively, if they can get these rotations down pat, you know, obviously there's things where they're switching more. As Louis Zatzman talked about this in his piece, like the switching more, that's just something they're going to have to do because the dribble penetration, you know, that's something that the centers could help contain the year before. Mm-hmm. And so now that's not there. So they're doing that a bit more. And I think that's helped him as well. So yeah, man, Kyle Lowry, there's not much else to say. <laughs> no, he's freaking Kyle Lowry, man. I just, I'm, <laughs> he defies words, man. He's just, he gives you hope that things are going to turn around, man. Like that's the thing is you go into this season and they start two and eight and you think, wow, like this is just not like them. And that that's because there's seven years of groundwork of Kyle Lowry teams not being like that. And it's nice to see things snap back to the norm here recently. Obviously, they're still waiting for like a marquee win over a great team. And I don't think they're going to get that if they beat the Heat in the next couple of games because the Heat look like kind of ass right now. Um, so it might take a win over a Milwaukee or some other team like that in the next couple of weeks here to really feel like they're back to being themselves. But, you know, I think with the way Kyle is playing, the way he's basically doing what he did last year except he's shooting better from three (laughs) like it's there's no drop off whatsoever Uh, it just feels like with that as the thing leading you you're probably going to be just fine I mean I tweeted tonight kind of jokingly but also kind of not that I think he's just going to drag them to like 46 wins again just because he's Kyle Lowry (laughs) just (laughs) the way he does it like wouldn't be stunned at this point if that's what ended up taking place because he's that good and that just dependable and is such a driver of everything else good on the team. I mean, so much of Chris Boucher finding what he's found is just the chemistry he's got with, with Lowry so much of Stanley Johnson figuring himself out is I, I it's gotta be like a lot of coaching and tutelage from Lowry and Lowry finding him when he needs it. It's just, I'm blown away, man. He looks incredible and never trade him. <laughs> just, Keep him around and enjoy it for as long as you can. And honestly, you know, I said this on the weekend too, watching Kyle Lowry play the way he has over the last few games here, that's why you don't tear it down. Like, there's joy to be had. There is value to be gleaned from a full season of Kyle Lowry doing his thing, regardless of if it ends in a title or, you know, aspirations of a conference finals or whatever. There's still plenty of value and excitement and happiness to be derived from a season where you get to watch Kyle Lowry play 72 games, as opposed to him getting dealt midway through the season and making the season end on a really sour, upsetting note. If they're too good to tank anyway, there's just no logical reason to me to to move on from Kyle Lowry. Um, And we will continue to have that stance here on the podcast for the rest of time. Look, a quick thing I just want to tack on to that is... Yeah, You can't underestimate the value of, like, look at the struggles the Raptors had in that series against Boston, right? And, yeah. like, if you're looking to learn from that and take on the next challenge, you want Pascal and Fred and OG, all of those guys back in that setting again. Yeah. That's the best way that they can develop. Like, all these teams that tank, they just continually develop losing habits. And so... um you know, I, I get that, you know, the Raptors might be in a in a bit of a different situation where it's like you're just doing it for one season and you get a quality pick to go with some good players and you've got cap room. But I think the value of them making the playoffs trumps all of that. 
Exactly. Yeah. Uh, tanking is bad. That is the official Lockdown Raptors stance. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else to say in the matter. I do want to quickly touch on Pascal Siakam. Uh, 19 points in this one. Uh, he was pretty rough in the first half. 15 points on 6 of 10, I believe, in the second half to turn things around. Um, I, I've come away thinking the same thing after the last three games for Siakam, whose scoring is down, and at this rate, like Boucher is going to pass him as one of the leading scorers on the team, which is insane. Um, but I still find myself quite comfortable when Pascal has the ball. You know, he's missing, his shooting is off, his three-point stroke is not there at all right now, but his playmaking is legitimately a joy to watch and the way he's like probing into the paint and just like spraying out to shooters is an absolute blast and you know I I didn't talk about the I didn't do a podcast about the Charlotte game on Saturday but I think kind of the point that I made after the Thursday game against Charlotte as well very much still stood like yes he shot poorly but the entire offense looked like it was was healthy and comfortable because he was not forcing the issue and he was finding guys when people send were sending extra attention his way and I just feel like he's got the the feel of the offense down so well right now and I think it was our friend Brad too much hoops that pointed out tonight like sure Pascal's missing but running the offense through him even if he goes five of 20 is leading to good looks elsewhere and so keep on doing it are you with me there are you concerned about the lack of shooting efficiency right now or do you think that's something that'll stabilize and you know in concert with the playmaking eventually you know look like the player we saw on the road trip where he was kind of doing everything at an efficient and also like you know high volume level this is part two of learning everything you can possibly learn about these players, right? Last year was part one. This is yeah. part two. And I think to fully understand what Pascal Siakam's ceiling is, uh, these are just some of the growing pains that everyone's going to have to go through. And yeah, it's going to suck to watch him struggle through some of it. But if it eventually gets him to his ceiling, then it's all worth it. And you expect some of the shooting to stabilize. And the biggest thing, uh, as you were highlighting with what Brad said, it, like if the process is right, then you can you have every reason to keep pursuing it and keep persisting with it. And I think the biggest example of this is when he was when he started shooting threes, right? And there was that stretch where he missed twenty five straight, and everyone's like, "This guy's got to stop shooting threes. And now you know it's like, "Hey." That's, that's a part of his arsenal. That's something that he can actually look to, uh, you know, go to uh, when he needs to from time to time. And so I think all these parts of his game that you can work to continue to develop, it, it's going to help you evaluate and then figure out exactly what you need in the offseason and even in future drafts. Totally, man. Um, yeah, let Pascal miss. <laughs> Just let him miss and do cool passes and things will uh, will come around. And like I was saying at the top, I mean, you know, even if he's missing, you got other guys who are hitting right now and there's the margin for error there. He doesn't have to be 9 of 14 every single night. And if he's setting guys up and allowing the half-court offense to function at like a pretty nice and smooth level right now, then I really see no problem with the way he's playing. You know, the the shots will fall, I'm sure. He's not going to miss every three for the rest of time. And a couple of those threes go in, and you start to look at a pretty reasonable stat line that doesn't look so glaringly uh, like some of DeMar DeRozan's worst nights. 
um but again like he, he also does defensive things too that make uh everything go around he's excellent man he's been minus the shooting he's been an absolute treat and he's been uh, a big part of why they've kind of turned things around and why their offense is humming along at like a you know pretty reasonable level right now they're 13th in the league right now in offense which you had said that was going to be the case after the first couple of games uh, i might have laughed in your face but they're uh they're really kind of coming around now they're just one one hundredth of a or one tenth of a point behind the boston celtics for 12th so that's beautiful too the celtics by the way their net rating is just 1.7 at eight and four the raptors uh, five and eight and a net rating of 1.0 weird anyway uh that's gonna do it for today's show vivek thanks so much for jumping on man do you have anything you want to plug uh yeah i just put out my first uh, long form piece for cbc sports so you can check that out it's about uh, sprinter Aaron Brown. Obviously, everyone knows a lot about Andre DeGrasse, but I think Aaron Brown's got a great shot at a medal at the 200, if not the 100. And you can check that out. I have it up on my Twitter, which you can follow at Vivek M. Jacob. Besides that, um, yeah, I've got my footy podcast, Red Couch Manx. United are still top of the table. So that's fun. I'm going to bleep that out and uh, <laughs> we'll go forward from there. Uh, you had Will Lou on, right? Recently? Yes, I did because uh, they played Liverpool. That yes. was a nil-nil draw. It was an entertaining nil-nil draw. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have uh, had him on and hoping to have some other people from sort of the basketball slash soccer world and have some fun chopping it up. And yeah amazing uh yeah go listen to red couch manx man and thanks vivek for always being a sport on the podcast we love having you that's gonna do it for today you can find me on twitter at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast and of course please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the uh lockdown podcast network we love you when you support us it's very very much appreciated i'll be back again on wednesday uh i will be a little bit less scatterbrained on wednesday i think probably uh this was a weird day i had to go to the hospital for a very stupid reason uh that i won't dive into now i'm okay but it was fucking dumb anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm feeling a little bit uh more okay in the brain now and uh tomorrow again i'll be talking with david ramil of locked on heat to tee up the heat and raptors back to back on wednesday and friday that'll do it we'll talk to you again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music Download the Amazon Music app today.